Janitorial Manager presents the Business of Cleaning podcast, the podcast that brings you the information you need to be successful in the cleaning industry. The Business of Cleaning podcast provides in-depth interviews with successful personalities from the commercial cleaning industry, as well as discussing the trending topics that matter to you and your organization. Welcome into the Business of Cleaning podcast, your number one source of information on the commercial cleaning industry. We release new episodes monthly live from the Janitorial Manager Studio located from Toledo, Ohio. I'm Tim Clagg, the Marketing Communications Specialist at AA Solutions and the host of the Business of Cleaning podcast. This month's episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Brent Encero. Brent is ISA's Director of Global education, training, certification, and standards. Brent brings over 20 years of industry experience to the show. Welcome into the show, Brent. It's so glad to have you, and it's an exciting time right now at ISSA as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a complete honor. Uh, we've been partnering with your organization for many years, and I've been looking forward to this opportunity. So thank you very much. And, and Brent, I mean, you have an interesting story. You've been with ISSA Cleaning Management Institute for over 10 years now, and your story is fascinating. Your journey to working with ISSA, can you share that story with how you landed in this position? Uh, because there were some bumpy times, some bumpy roads leading to uh, your position currently. You, you know, I uh, think about this, this podcast. Uh, last night, I was having dinner with my wife. And I said something to her that really stuck. And I didn't find this industry. This industry found me. And because of that, it keeps me grounded in, in what I do. Uh, and it's quite honestly, it's, it's been a, a wonderful experience the last 10 years. And how it started, you know, really in my 20s and, and coming out of uh, my first stab at college, I didn't know who I was as a, as a person. So it, it really right. took me some time to figure out who I was and what my gifts were. Uh, I, I tend to look at a lot of my employees and staff and colleagues and I say, what are their gifts? Because ultimately, if we can take those gifts, we can unwrap them and share them with the world, uh, we're, we're gonna be successful. So throughout my 20s and, and uh, early 30s, I really found myself falling in love with providing solutions that are lasting. And I came from telecommunications, um, publishing and some other organizations that really helped uh, business owners and, and entrepreneurs find success through marketing and sales. Um, I had an opportunity to be a sales trainer for a major organization up here in the Northeast. And then uh, unfortunately, I had a, a job that just kind of fell apart. And uh, I, I eventually made it over to Cleaning Management Institute. And I started this job and, and Tim, I, I didn't even know what it was. I got hired on by um, uh, one of my mentors was Micah Ogburn. Uh, he's in charge of ISSA Media. And they literally brought me into this room and said, hey, Brant, um, you know, we're, we're looking to move Matt into another position and uh, we need you to sell training. I'm like, I didn't even know this existed, right? So if, if I, I wish I had the books on me, uh, but the very first set of books they threw on the table and said, this is what you're selling. I'm like, I'm, I'm selling a spiral bound book, what? Like, what is this? <laughs> um, you know, so I took the job. I didn't, I needed something. Uh, I had to support my family. So a couple months go by and I go out to my first train the trainer event uh, with a gentleman I love uh, dearly. His name is Marion Ivy. Uh, he's a former master trainer for CMI and he's retired, but uh, he's from the Northwest. And I sat through that course and quickly realized 
what it meant to be in the cleaning industry. It was a community mm-hmm. and I felt accepted uh, and I felt like it was the right fit. Uh, so you fast forward a few years, uh, 2014, uh, Cleaning Management Institute and CMM Magazine uh, shut their doors. We had nothing. Our parent company went through and just cleared all these brands out of their portfolio. And we were one of them. And then ISSA saved the day. Uh, A gentleman by the name of John Garfinkel, who was our former executive director, uh, acquired CMM Magazine and Cleaning Management Institute. And then the rest is really uh, history, if you will. It's it was a beautiful opportunity to go from zero revenue to a multi-million dollar business unit in a short period of time dedicated to changing lives in the cleaning industry. Uh, And it really felt like home. So here we are today. I'm interested too. I mean, I come from a telecommunications background. I have several uh, colleagues that have graduated that I still keep in touch with that came from telecommunications background. How did that degree and your prior experience prepare and allow you to take the tools from that to apply with ISSA today? So (laughs) I'm going to go way back, right? So let's go back to uh, my high school days. And uh, I'll tell you how I got into this because it'll all come full circle. So I want you to picture not this handsome face you see today, but (laughs) a a dork, a dorky kid, acne, spiked hair. um, We've all been there. We've all been there. It's like that puberty stage, right? But, uh, you know, no friends. I was an introvert, but I was really passionate about the sport of bowling. And uh, I had a few 300 games. I was, I was really into it. And I was 16, 17 years old. But I had a, the pleasure of attending a, a fundraiser for children that were uh, blind and deaf. And they were raising money for these ch- children. And I said to myself, I, I need to do this for, for something. Like I just, it, it almost like just wrapped its arms around and said, Brent, you need to go help somebody else. Use uh, the sport of bowling to do so. So my first year, we ran this event, we raised a few thousand dollars, and I had all the local news personalities and radio stations show up, and it was Beat the Celebrities. So so during that event, uh, one of the radio stations, um, back then known as Albany's number one hit music station, Fly 92.3, big shout out to them. (laughs) Uh, They were there. Uh, They called me and said, hey, would you like to come tour our radio station the next day? We really liked your personality. I didn't know. It was an interview. Uh, and I literally was offered a job the next day. I took that wow. job and I started, you know, Tim, this is going back $7 an hour minimum wage. And uh, I would go out and I'd set up all the events, go to the concerts. Uh, I was the guy behind the scenes. And then quickly uh, I was on air. Uh, so I would do overnights. I did a little bit in the evening hours. And then I started a DJing company and I broke out of my shell during this time. I was forced to be on stage in front of 10,000 people or 5,000 people and essentially be a talent or an entertainer mm-hmm. with no background, no training. And it was, uh, figure it out. You're, you're, you're Peter on fire, go do it. And, uh, that's how it all started. And my love for public speaking and, and, um, being in front of people to help make change, it really started back when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And it's come full circle. You've traveled internationally to certify people in the industry from Europe, South America, Australia, Canada, and Mexico to certify over 350,000 industry professionals. That's a, that's an impressive number to help uh, change lives and, and allow people to get that training so that they can help other people, their employees, 
when you think about that number, because it is mind-boggling, what does that mean to you personally, especially that 17-year-old kid that wanted to help people? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, Tim, I did a podcast uh, with one of our members maybe a year or two ago. And every time I think about it, I, I tend to get a little teary-eyed and choked up because I didn't personally train and certify 350,000 people. It was a group effort yeah. with all of our master trainers. And it's the stories that come to life. And uh, just to share a couple with you, because I think it really uh, brings it home. But I'll never forget this gentleman uh, who I'm still dear friends with. I text uh, quite often. Uh, I met this gentleman in 2014 and just starting out, a little puppy running a, a contracting business, essentially. And just we didn't know where this person was going to be in, in 2024. But today, multi-million dollar contracting company, uh, software company, uh, consulting. I mean, you name it, they're involved in to see somebody go from nothing to being one of the industry leaders in less than 10 years is amazing and to, to create those bonds. But uh, I'll tell you my, um, I guess my, my thing that I'm probably closest to right now, you know, I was showing you before we jumped on air, but I had a couple articles and these two articles for me, um, not because my picture's in there again, but it's, it really is what we're doing with these organizations. And it's the workforce development programs. It's individuals that are homeless. They were abused. They were on drugs. They were alcoholics. Maybe they're in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, they are taking our training and certification courses because they say, I want to be better. I don't want to be the person I used to be. And coming from uh, the faith that I come from, I know what that's like. You know, you want to jump ship from who you were to be that better person today. And we are giving the opportunities as a gift from ISSA. It's, it's something we do at the core foundation. And for, for me, watching these individuals go from living on the streets to getting some support in a home to taking our training and our certifications and going to work for $20, $30 an hour, that's what it's all about. There's nothing else that matters more in my day than seeing that happen. And that's going to keep you coming back every single day to know that that impact that you, ISSA, are having and literally changing lives. And this is a monumental year for mm -hmm. ISSA in November. ISSA North America show Viva Las Vegas on the strip yeah, <laughs> marks the 100th anniversary celebration. And it is going to be a great show. What does this milestone mean as the industry leaders and basically the, the, the founders of helping push this, this movement over the last 100 years mean to you, to the organization as a company? Yeah, you know, I go back to our brand promise. Uh, our brand promise has been consistent for many years, even before I started at ISSA, and it's powerful. Changing the way the world views cleaning. It's a simple statement but it's been our, our promise to the industry for quite some time. And that's really what ISSA has done for a hundred years. Uh, not many companies say they can celebrate a hundred years in business. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're one of few. However, if for those of the organizations that are listening that have been involved with the association, either since its inception in 1923, or have come into the association over the years and, and seen the change, they'll quickly identify that ISSA went from being a supply chain-based trade association to essentially being the circus tent where everybody is welcome 
Yeah. Right. And, you know, when you go back to the early 2000s, when ISSA opened their doors to what we call the end users, right? Those are those universities and building service contractors. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, our whole entire industry shifted. You know, and as we're seeing uh, a lot of disruption in the industry today, we're still continuing to reimagine what ISSA is going to be for the next 100 years. So I think as a takeaway for the, the trade show, it's we, we want to pay homage. We want to celebrate 100 years. Mm -hmm. But for, for us disruptors in the world, we're looking to the next 100 years. So we're going to celebrate in Vegas, but we are going to look to the future of what our industry is going to look like. And I, and I would say to you and anyone that's listening to this, if you are not at the ISSA show this year, it will be one of your biggest regret, regrets in 2024 because it, it really sets the stage to creating goals and objectives each year. But I think this year in particular is more important as we truly bring together the icons of the industry and celebrate their success. And again, look at our young emerging professionals and, and know where we're going to be going. It's all about that next generation looking forward. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek, Brent, on some of the things that you have in store and that you in particular are looking forward to come November? So first and foremost, the one thing that I always look forward to is the networking, uh, 100%. And throughout the year, uh, I will come across people that uh, I've met at the trade show 10 years ago that I don't even remember them, but they will come up and say, hey, Brant, I took your class in 2014. Do you remember me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> right, but exactly. I, <laughs> but I, I hear that story so many times from members and industry leaders that they make the connection at the show and then a friendship is created for a lifetime. That's the magic of the show. So for me, networking is always number one on my list. Uh, and you would think I would say education, right? But that's number two for me uh, <laughs> because you learn peer to peer, you know, in, in, in real life situations. But I will tell you uh, that this year in particular, when it comes to the commercial side of the education lineup, we focused on trying to find new speakers for every session. Uh, over the years, we've had a lot of duplication, and which is great. People want to see their old friends again. Uh, but we are also trying to create a, a diverse pool of speakers. Um, so we have a brand new author coming to the table that started in our industry, built a beautiful sales career, who's now a professor for Virginia Tech and an author. So he's going to come talk about uh, building a lifestyle of success and getting mm -hmm. out of the daily grind of selling to being somebody in the boardroom. Um, we also have organizations uh, that are members that are going to be speaking, such as JLL, talking about how to partner with property management firms if you're a contractor. So we really want to try to create value for everybody across the board, whether they're a, a future leader learning from a college professor, if it's somebody that's learning from a property management organization on how to do business with them. And a big thing this year for us, uh, we're going to blow it up, is sustainability. Uh, it's a hot button right now for yes, the industry. Yes, it is. And we're going to tackle that big time this year. Now, some other key things, Tim, uh, you're going to go, right? Don't tell me you're not going after this. I'm waiting to see if I get the uh, the green light on that. I'm hopeful. My 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 hands and my fingers are crossed. So, All right. So I, I don't take that answer. Uh, I, I don't like it. So what we're going to do is, <laughs> yes, you're going. Yes. Yes. I, I think yes. I know somebody that you know. I'll make some, I'll make it happen, right? <laughs> but here's why. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday nights is our 100th anniversary bash. And it is going to be a party. Uh, for the first time uh, in a long, long time uh, that ISSA has hosted this event, 
We're going to have a live band. We are going to have food. We're going to have energy and fun on Tuesday night. Wednesday night is something, uh, again, near and dear to my heart. It's empowering women. It's the Hygieia yes. networking event. I think last year we had seven or 800 people attend this event. Wow, uh, that's beautiful. awesome. So, and I, I'm just scratching the surface, but if anybody goes to the ISSA show website, they can take a look at the, the, the basically the whole session and the whole schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, what I will say is don't get overwhelmed. If I could give any tips about the trade show, it's to pre-plan as much as possible. Uh, you have limited windows to get on the show floor and see what you want to see and start to map it out. Uh, but if you go to the show and you don't plan first, you'll be overwhelmed. You mentioned some of those sessions over safety training and sustainability. Safety and training have gone through a revolution in the industry over the last decade and continues to be one of the most important issues in the industry. Uh, during your time with ISSA, how would you describe the rise in training and awareness that has been presented and what has fueled that change over the last decade than let's say the last 20 or 25 years? Sure. Great question. So let me talk about where the gap is first, because I think that'll help us dictate kind of why there's such a, a significance in training. The, the biggest gap that we have when it comes to training, whether it's safety related or just vocational studies for cleaning, uh, the, one of some of the biggest gaps are it's, it's fractioned. So everyone has their own version of training. There's a lack of consistency between organizations, which at times is needed, but at times it's also pretty bad. Uh, so yeah. I think one of the things that is really driving um, movement is more organizations, whether it's a government level, private entities, they're requiring certifications, they're requiring training to help reduce liability. Um, they want to save lives. They want a healthier built environment, but also consistency. Uh, so we have seen a significant growth uh, in our education department really since 2016, 2017 timeframe. And it continues to climb and it's driven by the customer requirements. And one of the areas too, that has kind of fueled this growth, the public perception, awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and people are aware more than ever of their surroundings. Myself in particular, I mean, I've got a daughter, so I'm constantly, uh, you know, she's 11 months. So I'm constantly kind of scoping things out ahead of time, keep my head on a swivel. Um, but now too, with the surroundings uh, in that growth, um, it's fueled that responsibility in training. So with the public and the, the perception, do you believe it's created more respect and validation for people in the industry more than ever before? Yes. Short answer is yes. And I, and I think you're kind of touching on something and that's fear. Yeah. Uh, we had the big catastrophe a few years ago. Everyone doesn't really want to talk about that P word, but the yeah. pandemic was yeah. a serious situation. And, and, the, the line that I use when I when I speak at events is that for the first time, because of the pandemic, the cleaning industry stepped foot out of the custodial closet. We had the spotlight for once. Uh, there's a lot of investment, private equity that's happening inside of the cleaning industry as well, which is also a driving factor into the growth of, of the commercial cleaning industry. But there is still a challenge, right? So as we as we think about what clean means, there's you know clean air, there's clean surfaces. And there's also building limitations. And just to, to, to talk about this. So all three things are tied together. So as, as building usage increases, the need to clean surface increases, 
and the need for clean air increases. And now the hot button after clean surfaces from the pandemic, it's all about clean air. Yeah. The, the public, the government, the scientists, everybody understands that viruses and bacteria predominantly will spread through air before surface. Uh, so there's some requirements that are coming out, but I do want to tell you that I truly believe the hottest trend when it comes to those three things will be clean air for the next 12 to 24 months and the foreseeable future after that. Mark it down. You heard it first here. We're speaking with Brant Cerro. Brant is ISSA's Senior Director of Global Education, Training, Certification, and Standards. ISSA had a successful campaign that I enjoyed watching, following the growth of, um, and it involved Howie Mandel in three different videos, Rethink Clean and checking how clean uh, certain places are, especially there was one episode, like a hotel room. What kind of awareness did you guys see from everyday people outside the industry during this campaign? Because looking at the video numbers, each video had over 2 million views. What a campaign. What a can-, can I just say that real quick? Very successful, very successful. Huge, and first and foremost, I gotta say a couple of things before I get into the stats. Number one, to the board of directors of ISSA, we should say thank you. Uh, it was their decision to invest almost $5 million into a Holy viral cow. ad campaign for the first time in ISSA's history. The intent was not to drive business to ISSA, but to continue to take John Barrett's quote of lubricating commerce. We wanted to ensure that organizations were still doing business with our contractors, our distributors, our manufacturers, and so on. So the whole campaign was focused on two elements primarily. One was consumer awareness, and then the second was business to business. So when you think of a a consumer awareness campaign, we had over 525 million total impressions. And from a B2B, over 114 million, 114 million impressions. So when you look at the landscape of the impressions, amazing. And who better than Howie Mandel to be on screen with us, right? Like amazing. And has the increase of customer expectations, demand for that quality cleaning, have it led to a greater focus on training to meet these standards? I think a lot of things have shifted since that that Rethink Clean campaign came out. And, and again, if you if you haven't seen the videos, it's RethinkClean.org. The videos are still live. I would encourage anybody to get down there. They can share them. Uh, they're they're funny. They're also serious and and, and they're short. Uh, what I will say to you though, Tim, is is it's shifting. Uh, and, and here's what we're we're finding is when the pandemic hit and right post pandemic, right after that, everything was about disinfecting. Right, we need to disinfect every surface. Um, you saw people just spraying anything they could in the mm-hmm. air, um, causing damage to assets and, and human health. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to figure out how do we get people back into buildings? How do we get them back into office space? But because we were forced to learn how to work virtually, it's been difficult to get people back into the office, especially with the younger generation. Yeah. So certain market segments like the commercial office space is still trying to play catch up. But then, I mean, Taylor Swift's on tour selling out every every stadium, right? Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, it's a phenomenon. It's gone crazy the summer of 2023. Yeah, it's amazing. So all these concerts are coming back, and you're, you're a music guy like I am. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've gone to a few. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's washing their hands. Nobody's using hand sanitizers. They're all dancing, having a good time. 
So from a consumer standpoint, it's almost like we're back to nothing ever happened. We're back to just visual cleaning. While they're smarter and they understand how important it is to disinfect, it's not a top priority for them. So they're not focusing on it. So, so that's starting to shift. Um, we're coming out of the issues of supply chain where we were having a hard time getting raw materials and chips for, for scrubbers and things like that to now saying we don't actually have labor to clean. So we're back to where we were pre-pandemic. We have the tools and equipment. We have the chemistry. We don't have the people. So currently, some of the biggest um, things that we're finding as far as trends, they need help workloading. Uh, they need help identifying productivity rates. Uh, they need people to come in and redesign their cleaning system because the traffic flows are different in the buildings than they were two, three, four years ago. So there's a, there's a lot of things shifting. Uh, and again, the other big thing that's shifting uh, is the government. So the yeah. government, uh, you saw in New York City recently, there was an article that they're going to require uh, certain things around indoor air quality inside the built environment in the city. So that shift is going to be a trickle effect and other areas are going to start taking that on and, and implementing requirements. And things like uh, events that are going on right now, obviously, you live in upstate New York. Obviously, yeah. the wildfire smoke from just north of the border, our friends in Canada. I mean, I've seen the pictures and it has been a eerie, eerie sight. So again, going back, because I know I had to change my, from the smoke here in Ohio, I had to go in and change my filter for my HVAC system a month and ahead, two months ahead of the required schedule time. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about and keeping the air inside clean where it's not going to harm people. Absolutely. You know, I'm actually doing a kitchen remodel at my house right now. And uh, for anyone that has ever done this, you know, the pain that we're going through as a family without a sink or a stove. <laughs> but the, the, the worst pain that I've seen was in my wife's face when she's trying to keep the house clean because of all the dust settling. You know, and you go down and you look in the filter and, and how clogged and how fast it gets mm -hmm. clogged. Uh, and just think about that in the magnitude of a commercial building during yeah. state of New York and pollen season and everything is yellow. Uh, how often that stuff is coming in and you're breathing that in. So, you know, I think, uh, Tim, to be honest with you, it's, it's going to continue. Uh, and I think the requirements are going to come down from a federal level um, as well as state levels. Uh, so, again, uh, to me, I would say if there's one one key takeaway out of our entire podcast is pay attention to that IAQ. There's so many different options available when it comes to training now for a cleaner, as well as an owner from in-person training, online programs, videos, and certification. And ISSA really has a complete anthology of items when it comes to training. Can you take us through all of the different types of training that is available for people to take advantage of? You know, we would be here, Tim, for probably a month. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna start high level. Uh, one of the unique things, people have looked at ISSA for the last uh, six, seven, eight years and said, who's ISSA? It's not the same that we've known before. Um, and during uh, the tenure of our current executive director, Mr. John Barrett, who is a, a dear friend and mentor to me personally in, in my career growth, uh, it was really amazing to watch him work. Uh, we were able to either merge, acquire, or partner with nearly two dozen organizations. And during that time, people were saying, I don't understand. What, what does this mean to ISSA? And we're now going through the process of saying, hey, if you are IEHA, which is a division of ISSA, you're probably somebody from healthcare or hospitality because that's where their programming aligns to. 
So they have their courses, whether it's in-person or online, uh, dedicated to those markets. You may recognize a brand like Cleaning Management Institute, which has been around since the 1960s and really dedicated to the commercial space, higher education, uh, BSCs. But no matter what division or department that ISSA has brought together in this giant circus tent for the last, you know, again, six, seven years, the coursework is dedicated about creating a career pathway. Uh, the one thing that I've tried to instill in the team here is that we don't want to be a one and done location. We want to see somebody grow from a frontline cleaning professional to a lead, a supervisor, a manager, an auditor, maybe a trainer, maybe a workloading specialist. It could be a registered environmental housekeeper. The list goes on and on. Uh, but I can honestly tell you a quick story about a gentleman that I met uh, several years ago. And again, I have stories like nobody else, right? But, but this, this gentleman uh, came to a CMI class in Baltimore, Maryland, flew out, took the class. Uh, and I think at that time, maybe a lead, maybe a, a frontline, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but today, he is a high-level individual inside of a university in Maryland in wow. just less than 10 years. But it started with the certifications. What we are noticing when it comes to training and certification is that organizations like the federal government, uh, OSU, University of Tennessee, I, I said OSU just for you, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, but these organizations actually require certifications from ISSA as part of the career pathway. And it allows them to basically say, if you hit a certain level, you get a bump in pay or you get a title change. So you keep climbing that career ladder. And, and I think that's critical to the success of employee retention, employee turnover yes. rate. It's all about ongoing career pathway and progression to keep people engaged in your organization. And I feel like, too, there's been a higher demand in, in people wanting that development to be able to have that growth, to have that option. You know, it, it hasn't always been there for commercial cleaners. And now we're seeing it really soar and people can truly take advantage. I mean, there's so many stories you documented, people being able to start from the bottom and work their way up into a role, which, you know, is that kind of self-fulfilling, that goals we all have. And it's great to continue to see that thirst, right? We're all wanting to be better versions of ourselves. 100%. You know, it typically starts from the top down, right? You typically have a leader, a manager, somebody that's a vice president that values education. You know, a good friend of mine, uh, Mark Warner, uh, who's uh, been a master trainer, used to work here at ISSA. Uh, he's, you know, dear, dear friend. Him and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. What I think organizations are struggling with is how to identify the ROI. Right. So what's yes. the return on investment? Yep. If I say to you, I'm going to invest a thousand dollars in employee for education. Well, the, the one school system that that Mark helps us out with quite a bit, we found that for every dollar they spend on education in return, they're saving about eleven dollars per person. So wow. it's it's a pretty significant amount. Yeah. So when you look at the magnitude if they're spending 20, 30, 40,000 across the landscape of their employees. What's that return look like that year? So I, I think, you know, to kind of go back to it, it, it has to be something that the company embraces and is part of the culture. And culture is critical when it comes yes, to training and certification. If the culture doesn't exist, nobody's going to buy in. Mm -hmm. So it really top down is, is critical. With so many options, more so than ever before, you kind of have that tough job. Uh, how do you decide 
or how do you work with a business owner that's coming to you? We want to go through some training. How do they, how do you research and find what are the best types of trainings that they as the owner go through and their employees? You know, it's, 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 it's very interesting. So you can break it down based on building service contractors first. So if you look at BSCs based on revenue size or employee counts, they have similarities and trends based on buckets. So an organization that's under a million dollars in revenue as a contractor has totally different needs than somebody that's a 20 million or a hundred million dollar operation. Uh, typically those that are in the early days or, or of starting out or owner operator types of contracting businesses. Uh, so what they're trying to do is prove to their brand new customers that they know what they're doing. And through that, they're looking for technician type certifications for themselves, that they're floor care specialists, or they know how to wash exterior windows. And they're looking for that little notch, that digital badge, the certificate to, to show proof. When you start to get to that level of, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40 million in revenue, now we start looking at your company holistically. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to look at your structure, your SOPs. And in that process, we're trying to show as a company, you have this percentage of individuals that are certified to do these tasks. Meanwhile, you're also trying to create that leadership and, and management development pathway because now you have established structure and teams. When you look at the in-house service providers, there's over the years, we've seen a shift. Um, back when labor wasn't as big of a challenge as it is today, they would have onboarding exams basically testing somebody and the post office still does this for their for their custodians they will take a 20 to 50 question test on the tools and resources you use as a cleaner just to see if you have the basic skills once you get hired in then you start at an entry level point this is what you do on a daily basis to an interim to a restorative basis before you start getting that management training but it's really it all comes back to two things uh, a risk assessment and a needs assessment so what are the levels of risk inside your organization? Maybe we need to have specific training based on that. And then that needs assessment is a little bit more unique. It's we're looking at your actual personnel career journeys and pathways to success, but then also looking at your goals and objectives as a cleaning organization, whether you're outsourced or you're in-house. It's an industry, an industry that is ever-changing, always evolving, always growing, new equipment, the latest and greatest continually coming out, new procedures. So how often do you recommend, or what would be your recommendation to how often you need to update your training? Because there's so many different options. You, you mentioned we could be here all day and then some. So what do you kind of recommend based on, you know, each customer's needs that comes to you guys? Sure. So I'm a, obviously selfishly, I'm a big advocate of hiring somebody else to provide the training, um, put the, the, the onus on them to update their curriculum. It really needs to be evaluated on an annual basis, updated no more than two years out. So less than two years, everything is shifting, right? So you mentioned yeah. technology. So the, the biggest trend that was happening before the pandemic and a little bit after is robotics, AI, virtual reality, all that sort of stuff. And we have not caught up from a training perspective just yet and all of that technology. So we're, we're starting to fall behind again because there's so much investment taking place in our industry. Uh, so I'm a big advocate. Outsource your training and certifications to an independent organization. It provides an enhanced level of value, uh, integrity to your training. 
and it, another thing too is some some companies will rely on their partners, their distributors and manufacturers for training. And oftentimes when there's a change in leadership, there's a change in products and, and brands that they're using. And then all of a sudden your training starts to fall apart again because you're relying on your vendor. Um, so if you find someone that's in the space of training, in the space of certification, use them and then basically work with your other distributors and manufacturers to have that add-on that's specific to what they're doing. Uh, and we often see this, Tim, with floor care companies. So each one has a different, a little bit of a different nuance when it comes to stripping and refinishing or maintaining a, a gymnasium floor. Uh, that's specific to using that product, that process. But what's the core competencies that everybody needs to know? And I think that's where every organization should start. And then again, that needs assessment. Where, where are the gaps? Um, but during the course that we teach, we teach a course called Train the Trainer here at ISSA. Uh, the designation is Certified Professional Trainer. And that's where we work with individuals from organizations that are looking to deploy or enhance their training. And we try to help them look at it from a holistic view of 12 months. So what's the onboarding training protocols that they have? What is their ongoing review training? Um, everybody needs to have their OSHA safety training on an annual basis, but are we stopping there? Or are we going to have enhanced safety training courses? And once we start to dive into that, uh, we also help them identify their cost of training. Uh, we'll help them identify who they want to train, when they want to train, and, and build out the whole schedule. Um, so I know I, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but um, you know, to, to get back to the very basics of of your question, it's it starts off from that needs assessment, but keep it within a two-year time frame of, of updating content. And also importantly, this training helps with your reputation, with strengthening those relationships with your customers and attracting new bids, new leads with, hey, we've got all of these certifications with ISSA and that can help build your brand awareness and create new opportunities for you that may not have happened if you didn't come to ISSA for this proper training that everybody needs. You're right. And I think that's the uh, a missing component. Uh, you know, when you, when you start to think about this, and I'm kind of hesitating on how I want to say this is per second, because we work with people historically on the operations side when it comes to deploying SIMS, as an example, the cleaning industry management standard, or training courses. We're not talking necessarily to the salesperson of the contractor or the human resources professional. So, the reason why I'm going down this route is that there's a massive disconnect from what somebody is doing inside of the cleaning department, if it's in-house, or on the operations side from a contractor to the sales side, to the communication side. And because of that gap, oftentimes the stakeholder or the consumer that's buying the cleaning or is using the environment where the cleaning is happening doesn't know what they're doing in that cleaning yeah. organization. So I love this. I love this topic of discussion, and, and I'm happy to spend some time on this. But ultimately, whatever's happening inside from a training, certification, career pathway uh, program should be told. It's a story that has to be told, because if if I'm the parent and I'm sending my daughter to middle, actually she's going in high school this year. It's crazy to think about. Uh, I want to know that the, the custodian that's cleaning that restroom has been trained and certified. And I can tell you, and I'm not bashing the school district that I went to, I worked for, and my daughter goes through, but they're not trained. They are oh, not. Man. Oh, man. And so you walk in and you can visually smell or visually see it. You can smell it. 
Uh, you can hear the kids talking about how gross things are. So if they were trained and certified and it was cleaned effectively, the visual perception would be there for the parents, the taxpayers, but then that custodial crew can communicate that out through the PTO to say, hey, we're investing in our people, which invested in your health of your, your children. Yeah. So why aren't we doing those things are the questions. Seems like uh, a no-brainer to me. I think it's a no-brainer. And I think part of the problem, though, is nobody really knows how to communicate that, that message. Uh, so what I did uh, here at ISSA uh, several years ago, if you're familiar with this, ISSA offers a, a product or a benefit called the ISSA Value of Clean. And the Value of Clean talks about how do you reduce asset damage, reduce presenteeism, and reduce absenteeism through cleaning for health. And as we start to do these things, uh, we want to communicate out those, those value propositions, those wins back to the audience. Uh, so I actually created a value of training based off that same data because it correlates. If we're using the right tools, the right chemistry with the right training, we will have a cleaner, healthier, safer environment. It's simple. But now we have to take that information and communicate it back to the audience that needs to hear the message. You touched on a hot, hot topic, not just in this industry, but in every industry right now worldwide. Um, and it's not just chat GPT. I mean, it had over 150 million users subscribe. I'm one of them in the first week of its inception. I mean, it, there's a new AI popping up daily. I'm doing my research, kind of seeing what, you know, I can use to help benefit me and my position. Um, it's helping all these industries. How do you think that right now, AI like this or new developing resources is going to continue to grow? And how is it going to shape the training that you present to companies in the future? And by future, I mean, almost right now, because <laughs> it is <laughs> it is happening so fast. You know, it's I, this topic is um, always a, a conflict when I start thinking about training specifically. Um, you know, not to talk about my daughter again, but I said to her the other day, I said, hey, Chloe, I got to ask you a question. What is this whole chat GPT thing everyone is talking about? Like your dad's in training. I should know about this stuff. And she goes, oh, I just used that to write my my bonus paper the other day. And I'm like, what do you what do you mean? She goes, I said to it, help me write my bonus paper on whatever it was. And it literally pulled this information and wrote a paper for her that she could submit for bonus credit. That's the disadvantage. That's the bad part. Yes, of this yes it is. We are allowing technology to think for us. It's almost like saying, all right, I'm going to go have heart surgery. And my surgeon at the time of surgery is going to say, how do I perform open heart surgery? And it takes step-by-step -step instructions. We wouldn't want that. No, not at all. But why would we allow that for a cleaning professional that's saving lives every single day? Uh, we, we wouldn't, right? So I think there's pros and cons. Yes. I think the pro to this is when it comes to translation services, uh, it helps people that might not be able to uh, read properly. You know, when you have individuals with lower education levels, you may want to leverage technology, imagery, virtual reality, augmented reality, and things like that to, to help them advance in their career and not hold them back. However, those that take advantage of it for the wrong reasons are never going to be successful later on. It's just a short-term solution. So where I kind of see this all come together, honestly, uh, we actually have a member of ours based out of Tennessee that has a brilliant technology 
where you can hold an iPad or an iPhone up to something and you see the room and you can press buttons and it'll tell you step by step how to do something with a video. So I, I think things like that are going to be really instrumental in moving forward. But tools that simply just give the answers without helping somebody think through the process is a bad thing. If you're using it for that, cutting corners, that's only going to be temporary. It's not going to help in the long-term growth development uh, interested uh, for your responses there. So um, if a new cleaner owner is currently listening to this show, what advice would you give them to implementing comprehensive training program into their business? Great question. And I personally feel the first thing is get connected. Uh, join, whether it's ISSA or another group, join an association and learn from your peers because there's failures that have taken place. Because I, I can tell you exactly what to do to implement a training program, but when it goes to actually being in the field, and you have your first account, it's worth you know, $10,000 or $20,000 annually, you freeze and something's going to happen and you're not going to know what to do. Uh, so I always say get connected where you can ask experts quickly, right? So that's, that's the first thing. Then implement a core competency. So knowing what your new accounts are going to look like, maybe it's just coming in, vacuuming, taking out the trash, dusting, mopping, and then you go out and you're, you're done with that account. If that's the case, construct your training on that first so you can get going, but don't mm -hmm. wait until it's too far down that account uh, and that, that, that contract. Uh, you want to start earlier. One of the things that I've seen people make mistakes on is that they wait until they sell something, they get the contract in their hand, then they need to hire five people to clean that building and they have on-the-job training but on-the-job training is specific to just that account. So where I always like to suggest things of create a core competency baseline onboarding program, mm -hmm. and then you do your site-specific training based on the site-specific scope of work and quality expectations. And then you start to build out your training and ongoing training based on sites. But you really need to have that core competency to, to get started. That, that's a really critical component and often missed. Take notes, business owners listening. Grant knows what he's talking about. Over 20 years of experience in the industry. Hopefully you're taking notes during this episode. We mentioned sustainability a little bit earlier on, kind of in the introduction to this episode, but there's been so much advancement, eco-friendly cleaning practice and evolving regulations uh, that pertain to ongoing training, education to keep up with those changes. They're crucial uh, for understanding those products um, especially with kind of some of the unfortunate disasters we've seen in 2023 alone. So where do you see the direction of sustainability and accountability right now? And where do you see it evolving and continuing to grow in the near future? So today, I think sustainability is confusing. Uh, people don't know what it really means. Yeah. But I think what you're going to see happen first is people defining what sustainability means for them. So that, that's going to be the starting point. I, I think moving forward, uh, it's already started a little bit, but moving forward, you are going to see more organizations requiring data and analytics on what their vendors are doing for sustainability. So as an example, uh, I did go visit a university in upstate New York recently. They require as part of their sustainability plan that when a distributor shows up with a truck, 
they remove all packaging materials with them before they leave their campus. Uh, they want 100% recycling, uh, zero waste. So you're starting to see those things. But where it gets confusing, people just assume sustainability is strictly based on the products they use, but they're not understanding how that impacts everything else and what else sustainability includes. Now, you fast forward a little bit and ESG is becoming a hot topic. So now people are saying, well, what's the difference between ESG and sustainability? Uh, so what I would suggest uh, is coming to the show, listening to experts like Steve Ashkin and our Sustainability Council, which has over 100 industry experts from around the world. Listen to what they're talking about, because they're going to tell you what the trends are. They're going to educate you on where things are today. But I would encourage anyone that's listening now, have somebody on your team dedicated to understanding and putting a plan in place for sustainability for your company and know that it is going to evolve on a monthly basis, a quarterly yeah. basis, until we start getting traction with regulations. Brent, this has been a great informative interview here. I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your proficiency in training and education. How can people reach out to you if they are interested in training for themselves or their company? You know, Tim, I would say it's more than that. Uh, I don't wanna just limit us to training today, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, really, I really want people to know that uh, ISSA is a home. Uh, it's not just training. It's not just membership. Uh, we are a home. We're a community. It's a safe place to share knowledge, ask for knowledge. Uh, and it all starts by becoming a member. And I would encourage people to go to ISSA.com, uh, click on membership, hit join. If you're a contractor, it's as little as I think maybe 530 bucks. Uh, it's it will pay dividends if you do this. I can promise you those that become members will get a return typically in six, seven months, if not sooner. Become a member, get engaged, come to the trade show. That's another great way to get engaged with ISSA. Start looking at our publications like CMM, Clean Facts, uh, and then determine where your goals are gonna be and then invest in training. Uh, we often put training first uh, which is a lot of times the correct thing to do. But I, I really feel if you don't have a goal or objective in mind for your company or your cleaning right. department, don't invest in training so you know what that long-term objective is going to be. Great advice. Everybody take advantage, especially too, if you haven't signed up yet for the 100th anniversary celebration in Las Vegas in November, please do that today. I mean, so many great sessions we've talked about. Brant here today. Um, Looking forward to hopefully seeing you. I know we will have obviously a huge amount of our people in the office going, um, but I appreciate your expertise and your time today on our show. It's my pleasure. Bring your podcast on the road. Come to Vegas and, and everybody will see you November 13th at, uh, at our show. That's what we're kind of, uh, we got some things in store here. Don't want to quite give everything away yet, but it, when we do that, I want to have you there as well, because I, I think we've just kind of, scratch the surface and have so much more we can expand upon my friend absolutely i'm here to help we'll talk soon that will conclude this month's edition of the business of cleaning podcast be sure to subscribe to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from also be sure to leave us a five-star review and your comments from everyone at janitorial manager my guest brant and sir i'm tim clag saying so long until next time